We've all been there. A close friend or family member says or does something that we know to be wrong, and we think we should probably talk to them about it. But so often, we don't know how, or maybe we worry that we won't say the right thing, or worse, we'll come across as judgmental or harsh, even though we're just trying to help. In our interview today, I'm talking with two counselors with years of experience having hard conversations with others. Conversations that put the focus on what God has said, not their own opinions. Cheryl Marshall and Caroline Neuheiser are the authors of When Words Matter Most, Speaking Truth with Grace to Those You Love, from Crossway. Let's get started. Well, Cheryl and Caroline, thank you so much for joining me today on the Crossway podcast. Oh, we're happy to be here. I'm glad to be here. So at various points in, I think, all of our lives, uh, we'll each face situations where we need to have a hard conversation with somebody. Uh, and, and probably for most of us, maybe not all of us, but most of us, we would probably feel some level of anxiety about that. We don't really love the need to do that, even though sometimes we feel like we do need to do that. Uh, Cheryl, can you resonate with that feeling of, of kind of feeling anxious about a hard conversation? Definitely. I mean, there's so many times in our Christian walk when we're, we see someone that we love and we care about and maybe they're struggling um, with sin or they're struggling in, under some kind of suffering and uh, we may feel like we want to speak with them, but we might not always know what to say. And so I have definitely felt that way. <clears throat> I've felt that way with my own children. I mean, mm. with those that I love, the, those who are closest to me, when I see something that is going on in their lives and I need to speak with them about it, that can be hard. Um, but I, over the years, I've just really learned the importance of taking that step. And so... Um, mm. do, do you have a sense for... Uh, as you look back over your life, has it, what have been harder, conversations with people you're closest to or conversations with people you didn't really know maybe as well? I would say it's harder with those people that you know, because they know your sin too. They know mm. your suffering. They they have seen what you've gone through and, and how maybe you have not always handled it well yourself. Mm. And here you are now trying to help them bring their lives under the submission of the Lord and whatever they're going through. Um, but they know your weaknesses. And so uh, that can be a little bit of intimidating. Um, but I think God just really gives us grace at that point to be able to share his word and, and help them to see that, you know, I'm not asking you to be like me. I'm asking you to be like the Lord, to follow mm. him. Mm. Yeah. Caroline, is as you think back about your life, are there any specific conversations that you've had to have that you remember feeling really stressed out about? Yes, I have had to talk to a friend about um, the way she comes across in specifically how she's treating her husband. Because we can be in a social situation and I hear what she says to him and I mean, it's in front of all of us. Mm. So to have to say to her, you know, it sounds to me like this was cutting him down or yeah that is very stressful because they're social friends mm, yeah and, and you're trying to strike that balance of of not coming across as shaming them not as condemning them but you want to come across as trying to help right exactly speaking the truth with love or in love. yeah 
Yeah. Well, one of the things that I've wrestled with at times is discerning when I should say something and when I should just let the issue go that I just saw. Um, maybe it's because it's not really a big enough deal, or maybe it's not my business, or maybe it's just not the right time. Uh, Cheryl, when you're faced with something that doesn't seem quite right to you, how do you decide when to talk to someone and when to simply let it go? There are a few things that come to mind. Uh, one, if it's, a, if it's an offense against m- me, um, something I've taught my children that I also learned from Peacemaker is that sometimes there's things that you just need to overlook. If it's not something that you, you know it's going to be something that you hold a grudge about, is that just a minor thing as an offense that I can overlook? And if not, then I need to talk it out with them. If it's something that I know that I personally will have trouble overcoming in my own heart, then I need to talk it out. And if I've spoken with them about it and it hasn't gone well, then maybe I need to get help from someone else and we talk together. Uh, So that's if there's been some sort of hurt against me. But when you just see something going on in someone others, someone else's life, um, that's a time for you to just think of a couple things. Number one, um, are they hurting themselves and are they hurting someone else in the process? Um, if it's somebody who um, is talking in such a way that you think they may harm themselves or they're going through something that you see is really detrimental to their own spiritual life, that's a time to just be brave and to step in and speak with them lovingly and gently, but to still speak with them. And also, if it's something I think that um, you see that is bringing public shame to the Lord Jesus Christ, that that is a time to also be willing to go speak with them about whatever's going on in their life. And so those are a couple things to keep in mind. Hmm. Maybe Caroline Caroline has a couple other things on that. Yeah, I was going to ask Caroline, anything you would add to that? I, my first thought was the public aspect of sin warrants us speaking to one another. I'm thinking about Paul's rebukes in, say, the Corinthians, the public nature of the sin there. And we've used First and Second Corinthians as an idea of how to rebuke and when and why. Um, but also, there are people who have doctrinal errors that maybe they don't see things correctly or promoting a view that we think is false. And that would be a time when, for the na- sake of, like Cheryl said, for the sake of their soul, but whoever's teaching or transmitting that thought, they need to uh, be spoken to privately. Hmm. I Caroline- think one other... Oh, Oh, go ahead, Cheryl. One other thing also is if you see a habitual sin. I mean, there are times, you know, a friend or someone you love, somebody you know may do something, and it's just like a one-off type of thing. You know, you don't need to jump in and be the police there. Um, But rather, if there's maybe a habitual attitude or a habitual behavior that you know is contrary to Scripture, that you think you can come along and encourage them with that, um, that would be something to consider also. Mm. Caroline, what's been more common in your experience, talking to someone, it not going well, and then you regretted kind of trying to do it to begin with, or not talking to somebody about something and later wishing that you had? More common to me. Well, I have, I'm the avoider, so 
I am not prone to go and jump in. Uh, it's when you see a sin and then you think, oh, I should have said something. It's like Cheryl said, if it's habitual, it's coming up again, then you'll have another, another opportunity. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and it's piling up so that you realize, oh, this does need to be addressed. Even if I didn't say anything, then it's happening again. So, But I, in my counseling ministry, people are coming in and it's common that I will speak to them words that they need to hear to just uh, align their thoughts and their minds, their thoughts and their actions with what Christ asks. Hmm, yeah. So let's say that you're convicted that you really do need to talk to somebody about something difficult. Um, Cheryl, what principles would be kind of going through your mind as you prepare to have that conversation? Good question. The first thing that comes to mind is preparing my heart to speak with gentleness and with care and not to come in judgmental and not being, um, not coming with an accusing type of attitude, but rather an attitude that just says, I love you, I want to come alongside you, and I see this going on in your life, and I'd like to talk with you about it. I think one of the important things there is not to just come in to talk, but also to come in and listen and ask them questions about the situation and what they're going through so that, so that I have a better understanding um, and maybe can confirm what I have observed. But the other thing also is taking the time to think, what does the scripture say about what I want to talk with this person about? Hmm. Because ultimately, I don't want to bring them my opinion my opinion ultimately doesn't matter. What really is important is what God's opinion is about whatever is going on in their life. And so I sort of see it like this, that um, like, you know, those old uh, cartoons where with Tom and Jerry, and maybe there's a big platter of food, you know, a beautiful platter with all this beautiful fruit and everything on it. And that platter was just set on the table and Tom and Jerry go crazy over it or whatever. I sort of see it like this, that my job is just to bring the platter before the person. Mm. God's word is that beautiful food on the platter. I set it before them for them to taste of it and for them to see it and for them to respond to it. Um, and so that's sort of how I view it in my mind. And so the gentleness, bringing them God's word. And um, there was one other thing <laughs> that came to mind and it went out with the platter. <laughs> that's good Caroline do you ever feel that temptation that I think many of us feel of yeah we, we often we often do have our own opinions and thoughts you have to kind of intentionally uh, direct yourself towards looking to scripture and, and drawing on that rather than just kind of sharing your own thoughts mm. yeah that's so true because some people think that if we're confronting others, it's because we're bossy people and controlling people. Or we think we have it all figured out. <laughs> yeah, that may be the attitude that comes out. But if you're bringing scripture, then you're uh, able, you have that authority of the word. And it shows the where your own thoughts are coming out of. It's coming out of scripture. But if I have an opinion, I will be sure to say it. I say, well, it's my opinion that what you said sounded 
criticism, criticism, like you were criticizing your husband, mm. or that sounded like gossip to me. Um, without confronting her, it's like Cheryl's illustration. You offer truth, and I'm relying on the Holy Spirit to convict and for people to respond. Mm. One thing I might add to Cheryl's points in preparation is spending a lot of time in prayer before you confront because we'll think oh I don't know what to say or what do I what spirit am I going to speak in we have to pray ourselves up and we have to ask the Lord to work for the Holy Spirit to be active so maybe that's Mm. the one Cheryl was thinking of well as as you're speaking I thought of my other one and that was preparing your heart to have an attitude of restoration. I think that's really important. What is the motive for why you are speaking with that person? Um, Is it just to show them that they're wrong or whatever that may be? That would be uh, the wrong attitude. But, um, you know, we are to restore one another with the spirit of gentleness. And so the purpose of um, confrontation when that happens should be to restore that person back to a a right relationship with God, and therefore back to a right relationship with others. Mm. Yeah, because I, I can, as I assess my own heart in situations maybe like that, where I feel I feel some kind of a desire to talk to somebody about something, uh, it can be a little hard sometimes to disentangle, you know, maybe mm-hmm. selfish motives uh, from uh, uh, good, pure motives for talking to somebody about something. And, you know, have you guys ever experienced that where you, you could kind of make the case that, yeah, I, I should talk to them about this. This needs to be addressed. But maybe uh, I'm still not necessarily in a good frame of mind to do that in a, in a pure type of way. Do you, do you resonate with that? True. Yeah. That's where uh, we have to pray for a while before we speak. I think uh, be quick to listen and slow to speak hmm. is uh, one of the good principles there yeah I don't think there's anything wrong at times with just waiting and like she said there it may be a time where you just need to wait a little bit and you need to deal with your own heart before the Lord um, be prayerful be in the word and uh, it, I think one of the hard things though is we may never come to have the perfect motive and some people can say, well, um, well, then I should just never say anything to her or to him about what's going on in their life because I know I have stuff in my life too. Um, yeah. We need to humbly deal with that before the Lord and understand that we aren't perfect, they aren't perfect. And so we're coming alongside someone not saying, I'm better than you, I've got it all together and you don't, but rather saying, you know, I, I, I know I have my struggles and I know you have your struggles and I care about you, I love you so much that... Um, where I see this in your life, I do want to talk with you about it, and if I can help you through that, I want to be here for you. Mm. Do you find it's important to explicitly say that in in kind of every conversation you might have like this? That's how I would start out the conversation. If somebody's asking, how do I do that? I would say, you know, I love you. It's because I care for you. I feel like I need to say this. Um, I know I, too, have problems. I'm I'm sharing with you out of what I've learned, maybe, mm. when I struggle with the same thing, all of this. And I just wanted to bring out a passage that means a lot to me. It's uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 
18. All this is from God, the whole new creation that we have, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So it's not even reconciliation between people, but reconciliation, like Cheryl said, the broken relationship with the Lord. And that is a ministry we've been given. Yeah. Caroline, that actually ties into something you you mentioned even earlier, that we're always trying to share biblical truth, not just our own thoughts. And so I, I do wonder, how does that practically look? Uh, what What role practically does the Bible play in speaking truth into someone else's life? In a situation like this? That's a very good question. It's why we wrote the book, <laughs> because we want to, we're bringing out plenty of scriptures, like to help the weeping woman, and even without a rebuke, we're wanting to come alongside and say, I have hope for you. I mm. have something to strengthen you and encourage you, and it's the Word. It's scripture, because God works through the word. You now the word came, became truth, came to earth, and is how we learn of him. Mm. Uh, sometimes I have to tell women those verses of what the word does. You know, the scripture changes it, um, trains us in godliness, and it rebukes as mm. well. So I, um, I like to elevate scripture as true truth. <laughs> Yeah. Is that typically kind of the core of what you would want to say to somebody then? Is you're kind of saying, hey, I, I've seen this thing in your life. It seems like you're struggling with it in my estimation. Here's a passage of scripture that I thought could be relevant. Is that sort of the, the pattern you would give or does it work a little bit differently? I think that's a good pattern. You know, there are going to be times when maybe in a quick conversation, you might not think of an exact Bible scripture reference. But as a believer who's spending time in God's word and is sitting under sound preaching, um, it's amazing the well of truth that God puts in our hearts that we can speak out of. So sometimes it may be a conversation that is um, that is informed by biblical truth, but you might not have said an exact scripture reference mm. or passage. But ideally, if we are in God's word and, and we're meditating on that in our own lives, there are going to be passages that we can reference and bring that to someone in a conversation. And I think the importance of that, again, is coming back to the idea that it's ultimately not my opinion that matters, but helping your loved one, to always pointing them back to Christ and always pointing them back to his word. Um, you know, we have a Later in our book, near the very end, we do mention how there is one Savior, and you're not him, and I'm not him. Um, that is only Christ. So we can step into a woman's life or a loved one's life and sometimes get that Savior complex, like I'm going to fix them, I'm going to change them, I'm going to be the one who helps them. But ultimately, it's Christ, and we want to point them back to him and his word constantly. Hmm. Yeah, very practically, maybe a question for both of you. How do you uh, try to remember and keep track of verses that might apply to different situations or problems people face? You know, I think we've all been there, Cheryl, where we sort of 
we might be able to apply a general biblical principle, but we don't have a verse that comes mm-hmm. to mind. And maybe we wish we did, because it would be really helpful to give someone God's actual words. Right. Are there any any tips yeah. that you you have for sort of keeping track of that stuff? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, just it was last week that my 16-year-old son came home from camp, and uh, they had a great speaker who obviously was in the Word. But my son asked me, Mom, how how do you get to the point where you you all know these scriptures and you're able to just talk about them? You know, here he is as a 16 year old asking me that. What a great question! Yeah, and I and I just said to him, I said, you know, Andrew, um, it comes with time. It comes with time of being in God's Word. Um, but even as a 16 year old, if he's having his devotions or we're having family devotions, or he's in the youth group and he hears something from God's Word. If it resonates with him, it's going to stick with him. And that's going to be something that he can share. But as far as tips are concerned, um, I know that uh, Caroline and I, we don't have the best memory. <laughs> and that's getting, that's getting worse the longer we go along here, but um, as the older we get. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with having things written down in your Bible, in the margins of your Bible, in the front of your Bible. I mean, with our cell phones, you can have a little list of verses that are right there at your fingertips. Okay, these are the verses that God has used to help me when I'm worried. These are the verses God has helped me when I'm discouraged. These are the verses God has used to help me when I'm angry. So you can have those things at your fingertips in your Bible or on your cell phone and that you can reference. I mean, nobody's going to look at you weird if you're like, can you hold on a minute? Let me just look this up on my phone. I mean, that's, I think that's so acceptable. I know, I don't know about Caroline, but I know my, for myself when I'm in a counseling situation, there are many times that I say, you know, I know the phrase. <laughs> I can't remember where it is. Give me a second. Or I have her, or I have her look it up with me. And mm. so, uh, I, I would say feel free to not be perfect. You're yeah. not going to ever be perfect at this. But that God's not asking for that from us, but just to be willing to be real and to share the word. Yeah. Caroline, how do you avoid coming across as someone who's always just trying to slap a, a Bible Band-Aid on every problem that yeah. someone might have? Oh, I like your question. Because that can be a misconception for people who are listening to our podcast. That, And even our book, it's so filled with scripture. Like, if you're weeping, here are some passages to use. But it's um, acknowledging also the suffering that is help, that the person is enduring. Even a person who's um, experienced great disappointment, maybe, in... Um, just like, oh, well, all you need to do is rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah. Which is has been used as a Bible band-aid, right? And somebody will say, well, that's just a cliche. And we call we use that term in our book that it's a Bible cliche or a uh, what did we say? It's a, well, we use we don't want people doing that, so we're actually giving scripture and saying this. That's why I like to tell people it's helped me. Mm, yeah. This is what I've used, mm-hmm. and um, it's for example, I was reading in my own Bible reading, so uh, Jeremiah thirty-one, and that whole chapter just came alive to me. He's um, 
I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Jeremiah 31, 3, the whole chapter. But the rest of the day when I'm sharing with people, it's like this just impacted me so much. It's like I'd never read it before. Hmm. And so making it personal to me and that I'm excited about it makes it more than just, well, this is the verse to use when you think about that. Yeah. But it is living and active. I think another thing that comes to my mind is um, when you're speaking with someone who you love and they know you love them, they love you, and you, and they know that you're invested in their life, that often that can help them receive biblical truth that you're giving to them because they know that you're not just rushing into their life and rushing out but you're there for the long term. So I have a dear friend who um, lost her son um, unexpectedly. And she was telling me recently about something I had said to her months ago that she said, I was, she said, I was able to receive that from you because I know you're invested in me. And it, it was at a hard point in her life where I, as she was mourning the death of her son, that we were talking about the goodness of God and I just was talking to her about how God is still good. And she was relaying to me that she had told some other friends that she was able to accept that from me at that time because of our history together and because she knew I loved her and I wasn't, I wasn't there for a moment and then gone. And so um, I think that's one of the things that helps for people to receive biblical truth from another. And that's why we really focused in our writing on speaking the truth to those you love, the ones who are in your sphere of influence, because God's given us each a different sphere that is unique unto us. And it's within that sphere that God calls us to speak the truth in love. Mm. So I want to dig in actually to the, the category of person who is maybe suffering in some way or grieving in some way. That's obviously a, an important uh, category of person in your book that you talk a little bit about. And um, is there ever a time when it's best to actually just be silent with somebody and not just try to tell them the truth that maybe they already know. Maybe they don't need to hear the truth again. They just need you to be present because... Uh, the goal isn't to, to fix the problem with a Bible verse. It's sometimes just to, to remind them of what they, what, what they know. So uh, how do you discern when you should just remain silent? We uh, have put some thought into that and um, looked at the story of Job and his friends who sat with him in a very caring way. Um, we also realize that speaking is not the only way of communicating love to the sufferer. So we've tried to put some examples of practical things to do for someone who's really hurting. I think um, we should all be doing that, but we'll need a reminder sometimes of how to approach somebody, because we may not know what to say either. Mm. And that's a good time to be silent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I want to sit with you and just care for you by letting you talk. It seems like sometimes that's a tendency that we can have is when we're with someone who's suffering, we feel the need to say something because we think that's what we're supposed to do, but we don't really know what to say. And that sometimes maybe gets us into trouble a little bit. We say things that we shouldn't say that aren't helpful. 
Right. Um, I think those are times to, like you mentioned, just to be quiet, um, to sit with the person and cry with them, sit with them. Um, you know, basic comments of, I love you. I care for you. I'm sorry you're going through this. Um, as time goes on, asking questions such as, is there anything that I can do to be helpful to you? And trying to meet whatever physical needs they may have during their time of suffering. And uh, piggybacking on part of your question there, I do think it's important to give people space to process the biblical truth they already know in relation to whatever suffering they're going through. Um, God is working in them. And even though we may not see that, he's ministering to them by his spirit and by the word he's already planted in their hearts. And so giving people space to process through some of those things on their own. And I have found with um, friends who are weeping that um, they will be ready to bring up some aspects of um, biblical truth that they want to talk about. And then if you're there and you've been by their side, they, they know you're ready to speak with them about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to return to the the topic of the spirit and his role in helping uh, other Christians grow, helping us grow. Uh, but maybe before we get there, Caroline, what do you do when you have tried to talk to somebody, you've tried to done it in as gentle and loving and biblically based way as possible, and then still the response you get back is maybe anger or denial or blame shifting or even a, a breaking of the relationship uh, in kind of the most severe cases. Uh, what do you do with that? How do you how do you process that? It helps to again rely on the spirit because we're just his instruments of ministering reconciliation. So that helps to know that you're not the instrument. You're being used by the Lord. But also if they're rejecting your advice, then if you it's scriptural advice, then they're actually going against what is your standard or what you're trying to portray as God's standard. So they would, you can't take it personally. And I found that with people in conflict with one another, just to know that my husband say he's rejecting my love or he's actually rejecting what God has told him to do. Hmm. And so I don't need to take it personally. It's easier said than done, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true yes. because if we really care, then it's like watching a train crash or getting ready to crash. And you're like, oh, you could avoid it. Mm. If you would follow the Lord's way, you know, his path is straight. He will keep, he will light your path and make it straight. So, it's hard to see that happening, but again, to give them their own responsibility, it's not your responsibility mm. to make change. And, and Cheryl, do you ever struggle with what often would happen in that situation as well? Namely, people might judge your motives or assume the worst about why you're saying what you're saying and what you think about them. And is right. that ever a challenge? Oh, yeah. I think that's a challenge for many people who um, who see... A situation that they want to speak truth into. Um, but that's where I think that um, going back to prayer and having a, a clear conscience before the Lord and um, examining your own heart, 
you know, taking the log out of your own eye uh, before you try to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. And as you've gone through that process, though, eventually you have to entrust yourself to the Lord. Lord, I'm going to trust you with my reputation. I'm going to trust you with uh, how this comes across. I'm desiring to glorify you and honor you in this situation. And I can't control how the other person will ultimately receive that. And so, Lord, I'm going to entrust myself to you as I walk through this process. Cheryl, another follow-up question to that then. When it comes to helping other Christians grow in Christ, uh, how do you, to kind of use a maybe a somewhat trite phrase, how do you leave room for the Spirit and not overstep your calling as a sister in Christ to that person? Um, what does that look like? How do you think about that? I really, again, come back to the idea that we, we present biblical truth to that person, and we can give our opinions on how maybe that can be applied in their lives and give them suggestions, but ultimately that we give them the word and trust the Holy Spirit to to work that into the nitty-gritty of their own lives. Um, so specifically, let's say, and if, if I'm discipling a woman, um, we may be reading through a book of the Bible together or a Christian book that applies biblical principles. and. Uh, as we go through that, I, I may ask her, so what here resonates in your own life? What is the Lord teaching you from what we've read and what we've discussed? And letting her verbalize that, letting her have space to talk that out with me. And then as she mentions something of where she's learning or growing, as a sister in the Lord, I can come alongside and say, you know, I, I encourage that. That's great. I see that happening in your life. And that's really great. The, the Lord's working in you. Um, but just giving them space to process that, to think about it for themselves, to think about how to apply it in their own lives, and then and then giving helpful suggestions as they do that. One thing I might add, too, is that people reading our book may say, well, that's personality-driven. A powerful personality can take over and convince people to do things just by persuasive speech or strong attitude but that doesn't leave room for the Holy Spirit back to your talk so we don't want to back to your question we don't want to say I am able to help people change because I am very smart in scripture or I am very strong in emphasis very good in uh, debate skills but we want our readers to think I can do this even if I'm a quiet person or a meek person. I can still confront people and show love to them by applying scripture. Mm. And the spirit will do the work. Mm. A yeah, really, Kara, uh, oh, go ahead, Sarah. I was just, just going to say that a very encouraging verse for me along these lines is found in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. And at the end it says... Um, well, I'll just read the whole verse. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God. And then the final phrase, I love this, which also performs its work in you who believe. And so if I'm sitting with a believing person um, in my family or a friend or in counseling, 
and I know that um, that they make a profession of faith in Christ, and I trust that they are walking with Him. I know that God is at work using His Word to accomplish His good purposes in their life, and I'm just part of that story. I'm not making mm. that happen. I just have the privilege of walking alongside them in that. Yeah. Caroline, maybe coming at this question from a slightly different angle, uh, what would be some of the warning signs that you're overstepping in your role as uh, related to a fellow Christian? I would emphasize the fact that we need to be good listeners and that um, a person who will draw people out, you know, a good listener is actually listening for more than just words, but observing the reaction to what you're saying. So I think we can be very good at reading people's faces or body language to say, well, you know, it looks like the, I'm, uh, did I hurt your feelings? Or it looks like maybe you're um, not believing what I'm saying, or you don't think I care about you. I really do. So that's one thing I would say that watch for those signs and uh, they may actually argue against you. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be clear that, well, looks like I need to step back and say, well, I'm, I'm going to pray for you and ask the Lord to work. Mm. Cheryl, how can we become better truth receivers in our relationships with other Christians? So sort of going to the other side of this equation of not merely being good at uh, sharing truth with others, but actually receiving truth ourselves. Uh, do you find that that can be a challenge where we might be really good, we might think we're really good at, at giving truth to other people, but then we maybe are, are uh, good examples of people who get very defensive when others try to do the same for us? Mm-hmm. Two things come to mind. First of all, um, we need to have a heart attitude of humility And that's something that comes with time and with seeing our own weaknesses and seeing our own sin. And so just praying for a heart of humility, um, looking at Scripture as far as what God teaches about having a humble heart. Uh, We need to be humble before the Lord and humble before His people. Um, Secondly, the other thing that comes to mind is if we have a high view of Scripture that God's word is pure and it's good and it's holy and it is right. That when someone brings biblical truth to us, we will be much more receptive to it. So I guess it comes down to what is the view of yourself and what is your view of God and his word? I need to have a humble heart. And it is hard, just like you said. I mean, we all struggle with that. Who wants to be, who wants somebody to point out your sin or your weaknesses? That's, that's no fun. Um, but it, it actually, you know, as I think about it, and as we've talked about it um, or written about it, God has saved us into a family. God has saved us into a body. Um, we are members of one another, and God did not save us to walk alone. And if we can really appreciate that in our own lives, we can see it as a, actually a gift and a grace of God when someone speaks into our lives. Hmm. Caroline, anything else you'd add to that? I would say a good listener, I mean, a good receiver has those qualities Cheryl mentioned. Humility be be the first thing. But in the second, as she said, is to respect the word 
God. A good listener would also take things in the right way, like love hopes all things. Like I'm expecting that you're saying this for the right motive. Hmm. It's the flip side that you do care for me. And like Cheryl has already told us, we have a long-standing relationship. So you're in my life, you care. So I really should listen carefully. And it happens often in marriage, doesn't it? Where we we are living with somebody, we're always coming up against someone else. And uh, But you have that established relationship and a trust of what mm. the other person is telling mm. that is for your good and for God's glory. Yeah. Caroline, speak to the person listening right now who's thinking, you know, I, I think I need more wise truth tellers in my life. I, I want that. People who will help me think more biblically about the problems that I'm facing. But I, I don't know how to find that. How do I get that? Um, how do I ask for that uh, in a way that doesn't just feel super awkward and, and, and weird for other people? That is such a need, Matt, and I'm thankful that you brought it up because our book is trying to address this need. And at the beginning of our book, we talk about how we're all called to minister to one another. Like Cheryl said, each one is necessary in the body. Um, and I can't tell you how many times women have said, could we get together? I just need to talk. I just need to talk to somebody who knows truth. And how do we do that? I think we should look around in our churches for those wise women who may not be with the strong personality. They may be the quiet ones who just really know a lot of scripture and have a caring, loving attitude. I've seen one girl come up. She goes, you seem like a really nice person. Can we get together? (laughs) So she's not even thinking, wow, this lady has this much education or whatever. She goes, you're projecting a welcoming spirit, a loving spirit towards Mm. me. Could I get together with you? And those of us who have those people approach us need to set aside our little projects for the sake of serving. Because if you think about what's truly important, we have our schedules, we have our plans each day, and yet investing in the kingdom is just yields lifelong, eternal benefits. Mm. Mm. So we should be open to hearing that, and we should be open to asking for wisdom from others. Mm. Cheryl, anything you would add related to the person who wants to find friends who will do this for them? I think what Caroline said is really important to be looking around, to be looking around maybe your local church, looking at the women who are older, but maybe there's even women your own age that you see in them. Maybe you're at the same life stage, but you see that they're also seeking after the Lord and wanting to honor him with their lives. And you think, well, maybe there's a kindred spirit there, even if I don't know her really well. Maybe I can just ask her if she wants to meet me up at Starbucks or something like that. Um, Several years ago, there was three or four women that I know that we decided to start getting together for breakfast every month or every two months, whatever our schedules could allow. And um, they are my peers, but they speak truth into my life like nobody's business. Uh, 
but it's taken, again, it's taken time, but it took the initiative. Sometimes you may feel like, well, nobody cares about me. Um, well, you know what? That might be the time that you just need to step out and ask someone, look around and, uh, and ask if you can meet with someone and you can speak into their life. They can speak into yours. And I, I believe the Lord will bless that in one way or another. Well, Caroline and Cheryl, thank you so much for taking some time today to talk with me and uh, help each of us think a little bit uh, differently, maybe a little bit better about how to have these conversations with those we love. Thank you. Thank you. That was Cheryl Marshall and Caroline Neuheiser on how to have hard conversations with those you love. For more, be sure to check out their book with Crossway, When Words Matter Most, Speaking Truth with Grace to Those You Love. Pick up your copy of the book for 30% off directly from Crossway by visiting crossway.org plus. That's crossway.org plus. For more interviews like this, subscribe to the Crossway Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review. That helps us get the word out about the show. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.